The Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams facing off in Super Bowl 56, but these teams were built completely differently. How did they get here? How were the Bengals and Rams built? And how did those decisions in the past affect the decisions in the future for these two franchises? Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Super Bowl 56. Let's get into this matchup a little bit deeper, Matt. Starting with today's program, on Friday we will do our official predictions and picks and look at the props a little bit closer, but... You had a great idea this week to do an episode where we talk about how these teams were built. And you and I both geek out on team building. We'll do a lot of that in the offseason. That's why we can do this show every single day, all year long, including the offseason. Tons of draft, tons of free agency. Team building is something that uh, that uh, I love. It's something that I would spend time on even if I wasn't paid to, and I, and I did for many years. So let's look at how participants in Super Bowl 56, Los Angeles Rams, and Cincinnati Bengals were built. I think the conversation's a little bit longer and a little bit more interesting for the Rams team. So I say we probably start there. Yeah, I think so. And again, I, I love trying to, one of my favorite things about this, like you said, I mean, if I was an accountant or a lawyer in my free time, I'd be doing what I do for a living right now. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I did back when I was in high school and college, you know, trying. And my favorite aspect of all of it is trying it, it's a godfather theme. Think as those around you think. And I try to think how the top decision makers in each team tells us things without telling us things. You know, what's their team building strategies? And that's why I love the draft and free agency so much, because as I've often said on these podcasts, that's two times and maybe the only two times the teams don't lie to you. You know, if they're going to use a first round pick on this position, and it's because they need it or they love the player. You know, like sometimes you got to read the tea leaves, as Sigmund Bloom says, but I think I've gotten kind of good at that. And I think that the, you know, where they spend their money, their draft pick, their resources tells us a great deal of their goals and how they're team building. And the Rams might be the most interesting team in the league in that regard. No doubt. Um, and, and, and very, to be, there's an interesting thing going on in the NFL right now, and I don't know if the salary cap and the salary cap went down yeah, for the first time ever, right? Right, um, right, right. But I don't know if maybe it's just the years and years of the cap growing and growing and allowing some contracts to get bigger and the salary cap um, experts getting smarter and smarter and teams finding ways to get around things and pay certain stars more and more money, but... It feels a lot more like right now with certain teams in the NFL, the way they're building teams. And I look at the Rams as one of the Saints as another. By the way, preview for next week's show, I'm going to have Ross Jackson on with us, who is the host of Locked on Saints. He does a ton of work okay. here on the network as well. But he's a little bit of a salary cap expert, which I think he has to be for covering the New Orleans Saints. He's going to break down how the Saints can get out from under a $75 million hole that they are over the salary cap going into the 2022 offseason, which is fascinating. And they've kind of use the same process to build their team as year after year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As, the, same as, thing every year. as yeah. the Rams did. And it's, it's, it looks more like 
those mid '90s powerhouse teams that are so, somewhat mercenary driven, especially the Rams right now, and bringing on these high-priced superstar players to help them get over the hump. We haven't really seen that in a while, and it was really what the NFL was trying to get away from to have more organic, homegrown teams and, and you know suppress salaries too is a big part of the salary cap, right, for the owners. But we're starting. To, this is the Rams team is probably the most similar to Cowboys. 49ers Packers of the 90s as far as team building that we've seen since then yes in terms of your Niners go get Deion Sanders and the Cowboys go get Deion Sanders and Charles, Charles Haley, Haley. And yeah. I think that's kind of what you're referencing to yes. right you know like going and get these superstar studs either from a rival or to beat the biggest rival in Niners Cowboys is awesome Ken Norton I mean all those guys that change teams in, in a great rivalry I mostly agree with you, but of course, times have changed, and the Rams do this really uniquely, and give me a few minutes to kind of lay it all out in case people don't know. I I think a lot of people will say, this is unsustainable by the Rams. They don't ever have first-round picks. They trade them all away for these guys just to live for today. That's not entirely true. I mean, that's well, that's not entirely untrue. I think that they look at first-round picks, especially where they're going to be drafting, not in the top five, not in the top ten consistently, and say the hit rate there is okay, it's not great. Even the best drafters might hit 60%. You know, I mean, I think we could agree on that, you know, right? No doubt. Absolutely. And and you can go through, and I'm actually looking at their draft history right now, and I'm going through and and looking at their second and third round picks, the guys that they picked first in each draft compared to the ones they picked first when they had first round picks, and not much different return. In fact, better in some ways. Right. Cooper Cup. You know I mean? Yeah. So they trade their first round picks away for proven stars that happen that are also very expensive cap-wise. Again, that doesn't seem like good business. I'm giving away a, a cheap asset for an expensive guy, and it costs me draft and salary cap space, and I don't ever pick in the first round. That's 100% true, but they've got the right guys, and, and namely Ramsey, Stafford, Vaughn Miller's the latest. Uh, Odell was kind of a cheapie they didn't have to give anything up for. So for people that don't know, again, I have drafthistory.com up here as well. The last time the Rams used a first-round selection, and they don't have one this upcoming draft, the Jets are either going to get 31 or 32, was on Jared Goff, first overall, when they were a terrible team, if you recall. They earned the first overall pick. Actually, they traded up a couple spots. So that was 2016. They have not made a first-round pick since then. And even in 2016, the next pick they made that year was 110th, Tyler Higby. So they had to move their seconds and stuff to move and go up and get Goff. That was a failed experiment on Goff. But since then, as I've mentioned, and including this upcoming year, no first-round picks. So, (laughs) but here's the thing that people tend to overlook. First of all, there's two unbelievably cool trends with the Rams. It's not that they don't value draft picks. It's that they value Stafford, Ramsey, even Brandon Cooks at the time, more than their late first. Yes, but more than a thing. more Go than a, more than a coin flip. In more the than a first. coin flip, right. even though that guy's cheap and cost controlled. Give me Matthew Stafford instead, of course. So here's a, th- a couple things they've done in addition to that, and you kind of mentioned it that many of their early picks, which are day two for them, 
are all there's a lot of them on skill guys. You know, two two Atwell was their first pick this past year. The year before that was Akers and Jefferson. The year before that, Daryl Henderson was their second pick. Um, and then even before that, their first two picks in 2017 were Everett and Cup. So they realized that I can get cheap receivers and running backs on day two that can come in and help me now that are really aren't that much different than first round picks, as you mentioned, which also is the don't draft a running back in round one theory. I mean, so that's something you laid out. Um, you have anything else on that part? Just because I think that's a trend that's very obvious to me too. Which part again? That although they don't use, they don't have first round picks, their first pick in drafts is almost always a skill guy on offense or their third pick's a skill guy. I mean, Atwell, Cup, Jefferson, oh, right. yeah. Akers, Henderson, you know. And 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 they've hit on a lot of those players. Right. And first and of they're all, low because most of those guys come in and help right away. They're running backs and receivers. What's hilarious is you go back to 2016 and we were looking we were talking about the uh, the Jared Goff draft in 2016 the last time they had a first round pick and then they didn't have a pick until round 4. They took Tyler Higbee, they took Farrell Cooper. But the thing that I love about the NFL draft is 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 names that I forget had forgotten Tameric Hemingway and I'm sure I watched some sort of film or clips on Tameric Hemingway tight end out of South Carolina State uh, or maybe some all-star game footage of him um, but just a fantastic name and, and a player I'd forgotten about so I love going down memory lane when it comes to the draft because you put in work about a player and they disappear from your mind and you never think about them again and you get to see names like Tameric Hemingway and Tanzel Smart uh, that you'd forgotten about and it's amazing what percentage of even good draft classes just don't even make any blip on the radar in the NFL. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Jake Funk this year will say the same thing about in two years. <laughs> there was Rams, some you know, huge Jake Funk fans. I, I saw him rolling through the waiver wire in fantasy leagues this year with some of those injuries uh, in that backfield for the Rams, but I don't know um, if he's going to ever give a lot more than the, the two carries for five yards he gave us this year. <laughs> right. More on how the Los Angeles Rams and Cincinnati Bengals were built and how past decisions will affect future decisions for these franchises. Have you tried the GetUpside app yet? If you haven't, you're missing out because GetUpside is an incredible app everybody who buys gas needs to know about. Get free cash back for gassing up like you already normally are. Every time you fill up, you can get cash back for every gallon with the GetUpside app. And use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Upside. Some people drive a lot or making as much as two, three hundred dollars a year in cash back, and there is no catch. The cash goes right into your GetUpside account. You can cash out anytime you want to your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card, an Amazon card. So go to your app store, Google Play, right now. Get the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Touchdown to get twenty-five cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code Touchdown with the GetUpside app. Okay, so those are the trends so far. They trade their first round pick for proven stars that are the backbone of their team, along with Aaron Donald, who they drafted and their remaining early picks are almost always on skill guys that can come in and help quickly because that's not as difficult a transition as developing a left tackle or whatever. But here's the key. And here's what's different about those nineties trades is comp picks. So, Okay, the Rams think Stafford, Ramsey, etc., are more valuable than all their firsts. Okay, 
but they don't disvalue draft picks. And here's the beauty of it is they still, even without first round picks, make more draft choices than any team in the league. Well, how do they do that, Matt? Well, in some of these deals, they have someone throw in a fifth, you know, but more often than not, they either trade down with their early picks, which isn't even that big a deal, but they dominate the comp pick game. That's what's so awesome about what they're doing now is Josh Johnson leaves for the Browns, signs a huge contract a year ago. That's going to give the the Rams a third round pick in this upcoming draft. You know, so here's the key. Yes, they don't make first round picks, but listen to how many draft choices they've made over the same time span since drafting Goff. Again, with the thought of if I make 10 picks, and I only hit 33%, it's just more times coming to the plate. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter if you miss on guys, but if I find a fifth-round pick here and there, have him for four years at guard, safety, linebacker, not expensive positions, fill-in-the-gap positions, then he becomes a free agent like Josh Johnson, signs a big contract, and replenishes my picks again a year from now with the comp picks. So it's a beautiful system puts a lot of stress on the coaches to develop mid-round talent, but you bring in a ton of mid-round talent every year. So again, this is how, remember, every team is granted seven draft choices before the year. And this is how many the Rams have made each of the last several years, despite not having a first round pick. They made nine choices last year. First pick wasn't until pick 57. They made nine choices a year after that. Their first pick wasn't until 52. They made eight choices in 2019. Their first pick wasn't until pick 61. 2018 is awesome. Their first pick was Joseph Noteboom, 89th overall. But in 2018, they made 11 draft choices. You know, so they just flooded the, the place with cheap, you know, hungry labor. So that's what they've been doing. I mean, if you even go back the last 10 years, there's a lot of times where they've had 10, 11 draft picks. But just since that golf time, they're basically averaging like 10 draft picks coming in the building without ever having a first-round pick. Sean McVay's never drafted a first-round player for the Rams. Right, right, right. He it's may crazy. never. And then when you go back and look at the theory before that, the, they when they did draft first-round players, even the first-round players included, the drafts were worse. Goff, Higby, mm-hmm. Cooper, I'll take Everett, Cup. Uh, Josh Reynolds, Samson Abukam, I'll take that draft over right, right, right over over the other one all day. Then there was Gurley in the first round in 2015. Rob Havenstein's a good player. Um, Sean Mannion in the third round. You know, not much else in that draft. Greg Robinson, a huge bust. Although they did get Aaron Donald, so you got to go back to really one, two, three, four, ago. four, five first round picks. And then the year before that, they had two first-round picks again. So back-to-back years, 2013 and 2014, they had four first-round picks total. They got Aaron Donald. Then they got a bust in Robinson, a really underwhelming you know, electric talent that went way too soon in, in Tavon Austin. And then Alec Ogletree was a good player, but you know, not a difference-making player. He, he's not taking you to uh, where the Rams are right now in the Super Bowl. So really, over the course of... The last five first-round picks they did have, really Aaron Donald's the only guy that's helped them get to where they are, yet in the five drafts since then, they have drafted numerous second- and third-round players that have gotten them to where they are right now. Yeah, exactly. And again, they're just taking a million bites at the apple. They're small bites. They're not first-round you know, first bites, but 
if they can find here's a handful of the names since drafting Goff in the mid rounds that have really turned into good football players: Samson Ebucom, John Johnson, who I mentioned, let alone Cooper Cup, who was a 69th pick overall. I mean, that's a home run, of course. John Franklin Myers, Brian Allen. Um, there was there's another one. Greg Gaines. Greg Gaines is a really important guy to this defense. So if they can get one of those type of guys who might not be household names to everybody, but is a valuable contributor for four years, and then you hit free agency and go make a lot of money and bring us back another comp pick so I can take another bite the year after, that's what they're doing. And I think it's really creative. It's risky because they're certainly stars and scrubs based. You know, what if Darnold or Ramsey turns an ankle? You know what I mean? You have to, your, your studs have to stay healthy and your coaches have to develop players. But nobody team builds like the Rams. And those picks have helped them supplement their stars with really good depth and it's created a really good football team. And I think that's right. the key. And, is, and when, as long as you can keep filtering through cheap, talent and these are players that are you know at or above replacement level and actually playing pretty darn good football which they do have uh, that helps and so look when some of these stars age out if Donald gets hurt if Ramsey gets hurt if uh, Stafford gets hurt as you mentioned it could start to get a little bit ugly and the salary mm-hmm. cap will start to to pinch them a little bit although they're only 13 million over the cap going into the offseason compared to you know 50 million by the Packers and right, 75 right. million for terrible, the, for the Saints great. so it's not a terrible place for them to be in you can you can probably um, fudge some numbers and move some things around and, and figure that out pretty quickly but you know in 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 future seasons when Donald starts to get older and Stafford starts to get older and you know and all these contracts that they've already signed these big money uh, deals to you there's you know the cost more later in the contract than it does earlier in the contract many times so we'll see how that goes when um we and and basically the the key is can you continue to draft the next group of stars and difference making players not just solid depth but difference making players can you do that without first round picks and if you don't have first round picks for 5 6 years and you don't have the opportunity to draft those types of players is just the trade market and free agent market enough to supplement that and, and keep your team running we're going to find out with the rams but right now it's working which brings me to the next question to you Matt before we get to the Bengals next is this a short-lived experiment for the Rams. Do you think they can keep this going? If they don't win the Super Bowl, is it all for naught? Are they are they going to fall apart? Do they have to win now much more than, say, the Bengals, who we asked the question the other day, are the Bengals building a dynasty because they're more set up for long-term success? Compared to the Bengals, of course. I mean, the Bengals have a lot of cap space and this young team with a young quarterback. So, of course, we'll get to them. I mean, they really couldn't be team-built any different. That's what's interesting about the Rams to me is if you win a Super Bowl, and this goes for the Bucks last year, and you know, to me, whatever it costs, it's worth it. I mean, that there's one goal in this league, and that's to win the whole thing. And if the Rams, frankly, I mean, they've been to the Super Bowl what two of the last three years or whatever. So I think that's a success either way, even if there's some downtimes ahead. Um, I think adding Stafford, though, I know he's older than Goff. But if he can be an upper-tier quarterback for five years, four years, you're not going to be irrelevant. You're not going to bottom out. Donald, to me, is the interesting one, though. Uh, eventually, he's going to slow down. And and same with Ramsey. You know, like, are they going to try to trade their stars a year early, kind of like the Patriots used to with Richard Seymour and Chandler Jones and some of the guys like that? Or are they going to ride it out? 
bottom out and then do it all again. That'll be interesting. By the way, happy birthday to Matthew Stafford. He just turned 34 years old a few days ago. Oh, good for February him. February 7th. So uh, happy belated to Matthew Stafford, 34 years old. I mean, that's a young pup as far as star right, quarterbacks right. goes in the NFL. He can play for 10 more years, right, Tom Brady? I mean, I think you get five out of them, <laughs> yeah. including I mean, this year. Yeah, it, basically other every other position in the NFL, you say, ooh, 30, and quarterbacks now you say, mm, oh, 40, okay, now we, we, we probably should do. They start turning 38, 39, you think, okay, if, you're, if you've gotten to the point where you're a starting quarterback and you're 34, you can you can keep playing for a while, right? It's you almost can play like for a while. you're yeah. over the hump. It's like how old are you when you? That would be a good experiment. When have you like gone uh, over the hump? And how you're, quickly? You're yeah, how man. long you play versus the age of when you are a starting quarter? Well, yeah, that that doesn't make sense either. But there's some correlation there because if you get to a certain age as a starting quarterback, I think it, it's. It's there's there's some huge hurdle that that puts you in a different echelon of quarterbacks if you're starting when you're at some point past the age of 30. And I, I want to find out what that age yeah. is. That's a great point. And unfortunately, a lot of those guys have a season like Ben, Eli, Breeze that is un, is forgettable yeah. before you hang it up. But there's a lot of good before that. I will say Stafford has had a lot of injuries in his career. So does it, does he does he have some sort of something that, that affects his arm in a way that he can't be? And I don't think he slings it like he used to, you know, his early days in Detroit, although he had so much extra, you know, arm strength that he could give away that he still, you know, can, can, can chuck it anywhere he needs to on a football field right now. But you wonder, you know, does he do, do injuries take their toll on Stafford maybe more so than it did for Rodgers or, or Brady or someone like that, or, or even Big Ben. And Big Ben took a lot of hits, but he was so big. Oh. And um, and it More catches up to him. Ever. Yeah, and Drew Brees, you know, Drew Brees didn't have that big of an arm to start with. So, uh, you know, by the end of his career, he was uh, he was, he was was pretty noodly out there. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those guys had some major surgeries along the way. Peyton Manning's neck, yes. Ben's elbow. Yep. Brees had the surgery when he left the Chargers. You know, I mean, big surgeries. The, the Dolphins said, I don't want that guy. He's damaged goods. Um, I also have one other theory that is unprovable, but as a West Coast guy, I need to run it by you a little bit too. Okay, yeah, let's finish with this, and then we'll move on to the Bengals uh, in the yeah. final segment here. I know we're running long here, but I think being in L.A. with so many other things to do, I also think you need star power to attract fans. You know, I don't, it doesn't have to be Magic and Kareem and the Showtime Lakers, but you don't want the Bengals' no-name defense. You want Aaron Donald, Ramsey, and a bunch of fifth-round picks. You want your players showing up to big events, and you yeah, want them yeah. courtside, and you want it to be, um, and you want Chilling other Nicholson, right. You, you want know. other sports stars. You want LeBron showing up to Rams games too. You know what I mean? And you want, right, right, and you right, want right. your guys on the uh, you know courtside at Lakers games. And um, I think there's something to that organizationally and ownership down where you think yes, stars and scrubs is good because that means we have stars. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, I'm not worried about the scrubs part if I'm an owner as much as I'm worried about the stars part. Especially yeah, I mean, in L.A. where you're, and, right. yeah, and you're trying to build something and you build your fan base back in L.A. We just saw how the 49ers had more home, more fans on the road than than uh, the Rams did in a, in a championship game. You start winning titles and you have superstar players that are well known and you can start to carve that out a little bit more in the Los Angeles area. And I, and I think that's a huge part of this for the Rams. And it makes a lot of sense. And, and um, you can't argue with their method right now because they're playing in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, right. I mean. I'm curious if more teams will give it a shot. You know, are we going to start selling first-round picks for, I don't know, Derek Carr, Saquon Barkley, you know, big-name guys that if I put them to my team might get me to the championship and then 
you know, try to play the comp pick game as well as the Rams do, which yes. is hard to do. Proven commodities. And I think we might yep. see that this year in the next few weeks, maybe even, uh, and, and definitely months leading up to the draft. If you're a team, are you flipping a coin on a quarterback in the draft or are, are you spending multiple first round picks to go get a guy that might be available? There might be only one difference making quarterback on the trade market that ends up actually becoming available. And that team's listening to offers. Someone's gonna go pay. It's a get lot pretty for expensive. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Right. All right. Uh, it's fascinating how those Los Angeles Rams have been built to get them here in Super Bowl Fifty Six. Let's talk a little bit more about the organically built Cincinnati Bengals next. Tons of Super Bowl prop bets at BetOnline.net. We're gonna cover a bunch of those tomorrow. There's no end to the props, odds, and lines that you could find on any sport, including football in the Super Bowl at Bet online. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, news, and updates this season. And it's not just about football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, draft, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. And yeah, remember, more on all those props on tomorrow's podcast for Super Bowl 56. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers available for 2022 Bet Online, where the game starts. Matt, looking at these Cincinnati Bengals, and, and by the way, everybody, go check out the Locked On Bengals, Locked On Rams, the Locked On NFL crew, all in L.A. at Radio Road this week, had a bunch of fantastic interviews with the gamut of NFL folks, talking about the Super Bowl and more, talking about covering a lot of teams in the NFL, and a lot of uh, uh, different interviews and, and fun things to, to, uh, to find there at Locked Locked on NFL, Locked on Bengals, Locked on Rams. We had Jake Lisko of Locked on Bengals on the show yesterday talking about this team. We asked the question, are they building a dynasty here? And we talked about the Saints being $75 million over the cap, the Packers $50 million over. Those are the two really big ones. Cowboys are third worst cap situation going into 22 uh, at, at $21 million, almost $22 million in 2022. The Rams are bottom five as well. Then you go the other way. And I don't know if this is, this has maybe never happened. That the team playing in the Super Bowl has the third most cap space going into right, the following right. offseason. The Bengals have $58 million. They're $58 million under the 2022 salary cap, and they're in the Super Bowl. And the Jaguars and only all their ha- big stars are on rookie contracts. Yes. I mean, Chase is a rookie and Burroughs in his second year. Which, <laughs> and this is where you get into trouble. So you have to be careful because you go spending all $58 million, then you got new contracts to sign that are going to be mega deals with some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you could get into trouble. So I'm sure they're going to want to roll over a lot of this into future years, and then the cap jumps in 2023 2024 you got to sign those big contracts uh and then that money will start to disappear but i think they uh they can do it whatever they need to do this offseason let's put it that way to put more talent around young joe burrow young jamar chase and the rest of this talented Bengals football team including signing their own guys like jesse bates who i'm going to talk a lot about uh tomorrow but the cincinnati Bengals. This is why you ask the question, are they building a dynasty? If you've got a superstar quarterback, you've got superstar playmakers, and the coaching staff is is good, and you're this good already, they're almost ahead of schedule with a lot of money to spend. Um, this team has been built much more organically. They've been spending first-round picks and hitting on them, and that's the key to where this Cincinnati Bengals team has been built and why they're, they are in the Super Bowl representing the AFC. Yes, and they are in a tremendous situation to maintain upper-tier success, a lot of success. And I, I'm not even advocating for them to spend all their $45 million, but I will be hard on this team if they don't sign an offensive lineman or two 
and use the 31st or 32nd pick on the best lineman available too. Like I want to see two or three names I know to protect Burrow and keep a guy like Bates. It's but funny. It's for, like, <laughs> it's uh, like, okay, Bengals, you got it right. You went Jamar Chase over. Don't screw it up now. Yeah, over um, Penae Sewell at, at pick number five in the 2021 draft. And uh, I was saying the, 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 the Bengals needed to address the offensive line. Wasn't sure about Chase um, being the star level player that he is. They clearly got that right. But the point still stands. Go get those offensive linemen now. Okay, good job. Now go get the offensive linemen. Stop screwing around here. Okay. So I am going to speak of this organization in a much different light than the Rams. And it's not Pearl because they're in the AFC North. But here's what I know about the Bengals through my career. So before I was in this business, you know, and, and just adored the draft, the Bengals would take a Street and Smith guide or the Kuiper blue book and that's how they drafted their players through the 80s, give or take. I mean, they did more than that, but... They basically had... leafed through a $5 publication at the drugstore and picked their dudes that way. They famously had the smallest scouting staff by far in the NFL for a long, long time. That's where I'm going with this. When I was with the Browns, that was less than 20 years ago, they had no scouts. None. So the coaches, as soon as the season was over, here's 30 running backs that you need to evaluate. You're now our running back scout, running back coach. They also do not have an indoor practice facility despite being in this area of the country. And their practice field, which may or may not be their fault, is under a highway. I mean, (laughs) so where are you going with this, Williamson? They're cheap. The Brown family are very, very cheap. They do not want to spend money. They'll stick with coaches a year too long so they don't have to pay two coaches at once. Five years too long in some cases. (laughs) Five years too long at times, yes. And as a result, have not had a lot of success on the field and teams and players don't want to go there in free agency and whatnot. And they've overcome some of that. But times change. I think they have scouts now. Congratulations. It's still the smallest scouting staff in the league. They don't have an indoor. Um, But in the last two off seasons, people think it's just one, but it was really the off season before that too. They went out and spent on defense and it's paying off in a big way now. So here are some of the names that they bought in the last two off seasons from outside the organization. DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, um, Von Bell, Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, Chidubia Awuzie. Now, those guys might not be Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but they've built 11, 12, 13 solid defensive players that they can count on. It's a bit of a no-name defense, but it used to be, who the hell are the Bengals linebackers? These guys are horrible. <laughs> you know, Now they don't have holes like they used to. Something to be said for that. So I do give them credit for spending some bucks outside the organization and luring away some B-level free agents and building a defense that way. On offense, has all been homegrown. I mean, they're all draft picks. I mean, every one of them, basically. Chase, Boyd, Higgins, Jonah Williams, Mixon, Burrow, um, some of the offensive linemen, Azoma. You know, they're all basically homegrown guys. Again, I think that's great. You know, you draft one side of the ball, you pay for the other side of the ball. The Bills did the opposite. They drafted defense like crazy 
And then around Josh Allen was all free agents from outside the organization, Stefan Diggs and guys like that. However, here's where I'm going to pull back the praise. If I'm not even sure I've been praising them. They're also benefiting from being terrible. You know, you pick first in the draft in 2020 and not that you luck into a phenomenal franchise changing player. You earned it by being awful. And my sister still could have drafted Jamar Chase at five. You know, the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and, and the Burrow draft is interesting because if the Burrow phenomenon didn't happen, which was completely unknown before that college football season happened in 2019 and that championship run by Joe Burrow and LSU, that's Tua at pick one, right? Because you, 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 it's the Herbert, luck of the right? draw of, of who's even going to be available for you, and that was the tank for Tua year. Is two of the the quarterback of the Bengals, and, and what are we talking about right now? So there's a lot of luck involved when it comes to the draft. We're not talking about the Bengals playing on Sunday. <laughs> That's true, and I want to ask you that question. So all those hits that they've had in recent drafts, in 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 high rounds, first round, second round. Um, you go back. Let's let's do this, the the last five years thing since we we were talking a lot about the last there's five some years. Bad ones though for I mean, Billy I'm, Price and John Ross. Right, but here's the thing. So in 2018 and 2017. First round picks were not great. John Ross overdrafted, very similar to the Tavon Austin pick we saw with the Rams uh, just the what, right, year right, before right. that. Billy Price, big whiff by the Bengals, just way too high uh, in the first round for Billy Price at center. But they came back and got a, a star safety in the second round in Jesse Bates that year. Drafted. They got Sam Hubbard in the third round that year. Key player. Yes, yep. super key player. In 2017, they got Joe Mixon. They got Carl Lawson. They got some good players. And, and even yep. though uh, Jordan Willis you know, was kind of a bust and uh, is now a backup player, actually for the 49ers now, uh, Carl Lawson, you got big money. But you know they were building yep. something, and they started to build some some players that they could build around. Even though they whiffed on the first rounders, they hit big on second, third, fourth round type players, which is exactly what the Rams did. They just didn't have first rounders to whiff on because they didn't have those picks, and and, and ended up having the same amount of talent as the Bengals, even though they did have first round picks. But since then, then they started hitting on their first round picks and adding some more talent in in the mid rounds, and, and especially hitting on Joe Burrow and T Higgins in the twenty twenty draft. Uh, Jonah Williams is a good player, even though he had uh, missed an entire that draft's season. Not great, but yeah, 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 he's an all right player. Um, and then of course Jamar Chase, and, and they've added some other talent in twenty twenty one. We'll see how that class looks. But really, they have hit on those first round picks, but they've been picking in the top five. So can you still hit on those draft picks and and lean on being home? grown when you're picking 31 32 instead of when you're picking top five and so that'll be a big question going forward can they still hit on late first can they hit on second and thirds um and obviously they have a lot of cap to spend some money on but really the big hurdle is did you get stars that can help you into the future whether it's drafting them whether it's trading for them whether it's signing them in free agency and then supplement them and the Bengals are in a good place to do that and sometimes it's better to be lucky than good yeah right 100 i mean i'm not I'm just telling you how they're built. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you facts here, not really opinions. And I also don't think it's a coincidence in the last five or so years, you've gotten some mid-round value guys after paying the scouting staff. You know, I think that's helpful. You know, Logan Wilson with the 65th pick is a huge home run for them. I've been making fun of the Bengals second level of their defense for 10 years, and now they have a linebacker or two, you know, so they are yeah. doing a better job. Even this past draft, they made 10 picks. I mean, some of those guys are going to hit. One of them's Evan McPherson, and he's a home run for them. I know he's a kicker, but 
he's a home run. You know, I mean, can Jackson Carmen develop into something? Or they drafted a lot of linemen in this past draft, defensive linemen too. Um, again, though, now their first pick in the draft is usually is going to be where they usually make their second pick in the draft. You know, like even you know everyone could have drafted Joe Burrow in that draft, but taking T Higgins at thirty three didn't take a lot of you know great skill either. No, that was right about where he was, you know, in the in the, right. in the blue book, the Kuiper blue book. Higgins was ranked around 33. Yeah. And by the way, they might be picking. Yeah, exactly. Their first That's pick the might first be 32 be now, this right. year. Yeah. So I so again, here here's it, it, instead of killing how their history has been, because it's been rough. I'm really interested to see how they handle success. You know, like there's a lot that goes on with success and our teams have handled it a lot, the Packers, the Patriots. You know, there's there's things like, well, you're not going to get those early slam dunk, my sister can make the picks, you know, selections. You're going to play three more primetime games than you're used to, and you're going to have to travel home after a Monday night away game and get home at 5 a.m. and figure out the week from there. You know, things like that, that it's not easy to stay on top, but where they sit right now, and some of it's luck, for getting there, they are in a very enviable situation. And I'm not going to, we'll talk about more in the preview. I still don't know the coach Taylor is a superstar, you know, I mean, and is ready to handle all that, by the way. It's going to be interesting. They're in a, they're in a good situation with Joe Burrow to, Phenomenal. to be the next really good team for a very long time. But you're right. If, uh, if the pieces aren't, you know, if ownership doesn't put the right resources into draft and development or into free agency, there's an opportunity for them to slide into, you know, not necessarily mediocrity. I think they'll be, they'll be. Burrow me- should keep them above that. Right, exactly. Right, but right, right. you only are as good as where Burrow takes you, which is a team that gets ousted in the playoffs in the first mm-hmm. round and, and kind of in that sort of a zone. Um, and we and before s- you know it, he's to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. I mean, that seems like it's so yes. far down the road, but. It happens quick. It does you know, happen. He's going to be making $45 million a year or something. Oh, I mean, he's going into year three next year. Right, right, right. And then year four is the last year of his rookie contract, Then you've got the fifth-year option. He's probably not going to show up to camp on his fifth-year option. So, Right, right, right. Go. And it's time to do that, then, mm-hmm. you know. So that, that's, that's soon. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, it's some very different decisions to be made for these organizations going forward, and they got to this place in very, very different ways. Tomorrow, Matt, very we'll, we'll break down how this game looks on the field our picks, our favorite prop bets for Super Bowl 56. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen every day, your second listen. Check out Matt doing the Locked On Dynasty football podcast. I'm doing Locked On 49ers every day. If you're not a 49ers fan, shame on you, first of all. Second of all, (laughs) your team is covered right here on the network, no matter the sport. So check out the podcast of your favorite football team, Locked On Bets, talking about even more of the bets that can be happening in Super Bowl 56 with Q Myers and expert Lee Sterling daily. Matt and I back tomorrow, last pre-Super Bowl podcast that it's officially off season for all 32 teams right here peacock and williamson